This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program for the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. Want to join the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field. We look forward to seeing you there. This is Walter Koenig, Chekhov from Star Trek, and you're listening to Trek FM. Risk is our business. It's like nothing we've dealt with before. My golly, Jim, I'm beginning to think I can cure a rainy day. I can't change the laws of physics. Now in standard orbit, sir. Welcome, everyone, to Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated podcast that covers the original and new cast of Captain Kirk and the Enterprise. I am Ken Tripp. And I am Zach Moore. And, you know, there's a lot of super powerful godlike beings in the original series. You know, it's a, it's a common trope of TOS. They would meet a super powerful being beyond our understanding on our physical plane, mere mortals can understand. And, you know, Kirk would usually outwit them and the Enterprise would go on to live another day. But what if these gods didn't just meet the crew of the Enterprise? What if they met each other? So what we're doing today is a little game called Last God Standing. I like it. It's going to be the Battle of the Titans, so to speak, and it's going to be very interesting. This is a little bit different for Standard Orbit. We're very, um, you know, I guess Standard Orbit has its own little trope, doesn't it, Zach, right? We we go down the lists and try to come up with the common themes or, or whatnot, and we go down the episodes and through the movies. We always have fun with it. But this is a nice twist. I like this. So each god will be rated as we go along. We're not going to do brackets. We're not going to screw around with that stuff. We're just going to go down the list. And as we get to this next one, can it beat the god before or not? And if it can, it moves on. If it doesn't, the other one moves on. So I, uh, I, I love this concept. We're going to have some fun today. Wouldn't it be easier, Ken, if we just put all the gods in a computer and it just decided who the best god was? You know, I think that would be a great, fair way to decide the champion. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. Yeah, yeah. There's, 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 there's no meaning. There's no consequence. It's just, Perhaps it's have a just an answer. Poll an AP poll. No, I'm just kidding. We're of course referring to college football, uh, and they've since done away with the BCS. I'm glad we actually have a, a college uh, football championship now, where the top four teams play each other. But that's new here nor there. We're not here to talk about sports ball. No, we're, we're not. But I will, I, I will ask you this question. <laughs> did you, did you, you must have read Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, right? Yes. No. Maybe. Forty-seven. <laughs> that's exactly right so now you have to build another computer to figure out how they got that number so that's why i'm nervous if we had the computer figure it out we'd have to build another computer to figure out why this god was number one so the hell with that in the spirit of samuel t cogley we're just going to do it by the numbers as if it's a book no computer we're going to figure this thing out all right let's do it so where no man has gone before which we talk about on every episode of Standard Orbit, it seems. But hey, it's my favorite episode. I'm not complaining. Uh, Gary Mitchell, he'd be our first godlike being on the original series. Now, he, he had quite a quite a skill set. 
we saw him grow as time went on. So we don't know like what his limit would be, but his limit in Where No Man Has Gone Before was, you know, he could create something out of nothing, right? I mean, he created plants and he could shoot energy bolts from his hands and he could bend objects to his will. He made Kirk kneel before him, uh, had some telekinesis powers uh, that continued to grow and grow. Not indestructible though. If he was uh, struck by uh, high energy uh, like a force field or, or, or another godlike being's electricity. He was susceptible to that, and that knocked his his ESP powers. Ha, how ESP goes to that, I'm not too sure, but that's beside the point. <laughs> you know, because he could okay. see he could see other things. Like he could see when the engines were degrading, or he could see across the the compound he was in and and strangle Kelso with that uh, cable. So he did have a, an impressive skill set. But when his powers were were affected by high energy, he could get you know turn mortal. And that's why Kirk could uh, eventually kill him and. And crush him with a rock so he wasn't he was uh <laughs> well, quite powerful yeah but not with, with a little help from dr denner right, right. Let's, let's be fair so yeah I, I hear you it it was one of those things where if uh gone unchecked and i guess we kind of saw that a little bit of in uh, of gods and men that that um that that fan film that was made where he did go unchecked right and just developed an empire but yeah it, he uh it was it was an interesting characteristic to develop and it was wild watching the uh, the powers expand and kind of like we saw with TNG when Q offered Riker that opportunity you could start to see how you start going from friend coworker uh, subordinate officer to equal then superior and then more and more and more they're like you know they're like flies to us <laughs> so. absolute power corrupts absolutely i've heard that once so you bring up a gods of men uh charlie x would be the next guy like being in our first opponent here this is our first you know dukeru so charlie x versus gary mitchell now charlie x Similar powers, you know, actually, actually, these episodes, just brief aside here, these episodes aired back to back. They were produced several, um, well, you know, several months apart, actually, because where no one has gone before was the second pilot and Charlie X was, you know, in the initial order of episodes. But broadcast, uh, Charlie X was the second episode broadcast and where no man has gone before was the third episode broadcast of the original series. So, like, if, if you're a viewer in the 60s, you're like, are they, is this happen every week, right? They, <laughs> this is very That's similar right. to what happened last week, so... Yeah. So if you're you're comparing Charlie X to then as a child who um, was developing, I guess, and, and didn't have the maturity to control the powers that he was given because he was human, and you know this this race came along, saved him, whatever, and, and the only way they knew how was to to kind of endow them with the powers that they had. And he was supposed to be a teenager, right? He was because yeah, he looked yeah. he, well. He looked like all teenagers do on television, about thirty years old. But <laughs> really, you didn't think he looked younger than that? Uh, I mean, I'm 30 now, and I still don't look that old, so... But maybe that's just me. It's all in the genes. It, 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 man, you, you, you know, you, you, you can't help it, right? When you're, <laughs> when you're, when you're that good-looking, Zach, you just got to deal with it. But I would say Charlie X, to me, it was funny. I always thought it was played by Patrick Duffy, too. He looked... I thought he was a dead <laughs> ringer for Patrick Duffy. I don't know why. I can see that. I can see that. I can see Charlie X walking out of the shower. Yeah, it was all a dream, baby. But anyway, <laughs> how do we get these references? So... Anyway, let's let's do our first Dukeru here. Charlie X versus Gary Mitchell. Who would win? Well, it's tough because you know you were talking about his power set. He's kind of like the the little kid from It's a Good Life in the Twilight Zone, the Bill movie. Uh, he, he's a he's a kid who has power that, that little kids should not have. Uh, 
Uh, and he does. He's not malicious, at least at first. He's not really malicious. He's just kind of acting out, and uh, these things happen. Like he, you know, and and because he he's not in full control of his powers, like he he goes too far with it and regrets some things that he's done. But now, eh, what are you gonna do? Uh, a big thing though, he and this is why I make the Twilight Zone connection. He like wishes people away, you know, to the cornfield, if you will, <laughs> you know, as they call it right. in the Twilight Zone. He wishes people away and they just disappear, and that's real creepy. That's a real creepy concept. So. Gary Mitchell didn't seem to have that kind of power. I mean, he had other more tangible powers, but, you know, Charlie had, you know, more intangible things. And I would say, look, if if Gary got on Charlie's bad side, Charlie would just wish him away, and that would be in the Gary Mitchell. What do you think, Ken? Here's where I differ with you. I think that because Gary Mitchell is a trained Starfleet officer and much more mature, that he would be able to manipulate Charlie. You know, it kind of get him on his side, that type of thing, and then he could do what he want. Because Charlie was mortal in the sense that I think he could be killed. There was nothing that uh, indicated to me, like, if they shot him with a phaser, it wouldn't work. If he if he saw you running, trying to get the phaser, he could disable it, burn it, make you disappear. So that is kind of why I kind of tip it to Gary Mitchell. I think, I think he'd be able to um, use his brains a little bit and uh, kind of outfox Charlie. And, uh, and get him before Charlie got him. That's my thought process. That's a good point because Kirk shoots Gary with the phaser rifle and does nothing. So, nothing. Uh, and if someone did shoot Charlie with a phaser, it probably would at least stun him. They just didn't want to do that because, you know, he's going to wake up eventually and be really angry. So yeah. <laughs> That's for sure. Now, you mentioned the fan film of Gods and Men. I have not seen that. Can you oh. have? They Didn't mm-hmm. Gary Mitchell and Charlie X fight in that fan film? And if so, who won? Uh, I believe that Charlie X wound up winning. Uh, he was at first the antagonist at the beginning, and then you know when 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 the future was changed dramatically, and Gary Mitchell was kind of running the galaxy in an alternate universe or an alternate timeline. Hint, hint. Uh, you know they they kind of square off in front of the Guardians forever, and I believe that Charlie X pulled it off. Okay, mm-hmm. but now at this point, Charlie was an adult. Right, I mean, and full, his full faculties of his powers and all that, yeah. It was uh, a mature Charlie X versus, uh, you know, Gary Mitchell, and I think that was, that was the difference. So that's why I'm sticking with, with Gary Mitchell. All right, well, Gary Mitchell moves on. Sorry, Charlie. Sorry, Charlie. I like that, yeah. No pun intended. <laughs> so the next godlike being on our roster here would be Trelane, the squire of Gothos himself. Now, Trelane... Uh, again, kind of a vague power set because when they first, when the crew first meets him, he seems to be this omnipotent being. But then they do some deductive reasoning and and they figure out that he's his powers being um, augmented by a machine. Uh, now they initially think, oh, well, that's the source of all his power. Let's destroy this machine, and then you know we're good, we'll get out of here. Not not the case. It was just helping him. I'm not really sure how that worked exactly, but it's you know it's far beyond our understanding, Ken, of mere mortals. But this machine, it's like the training wheels to godhood, is what Trelane had <laughs> on Gothos there, uh, and he was very powerful as well. Now, as Fanon and uh, you know fan explanations and and fan fiction and actual official Star Trek fiction has gone on to say uh, Trelane could be interpreted as a member of the Q continuum, so he would be a Q, but he's also young. So uh, he's got the youth working against him, just like Charlie X did. Um, uh, quick to temper tantrums, as as we see. You know, I mean, Kirk just slaps him. You know, <laughs> so that's a funny image. So I would, you know, thinking about thinking about that. Although although Trelane was very powerful, 
I think to your point about Gary Mitchell being a trained Starfleet officer, Starfleet officer, excuse me. I think he would have the advantage here, even though Trelane did have incredible power. I mean, he could make things from nothingness, just like Gary Mitchell could. He could he could move planets around, but who's to say Gary Mitchell couldn't move planets around as, as, as time had continued and if he hadn't been killed by Kirk? So, I don't know. I think the maturity thing would uh, would go to Gary Mitchell, would give him the advantage. But, you know, Trelane could freeze people in place, like, you know, wax figure. So if he did that to Gary Mitchell, then he could do whatever he wanted with him. So I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> it's tough. They match it's, up it is well. a tough one, man. They do. They, first of all, I love Trelane. He's one of my favorite characters of all time. And, you know, Q was directly pulled from, from Trelane. There is no doubt about it. I don't think there's anything that you can find in any books that says so or whatnot. But you go back to Squire of Gothos, and then you watch um, the, the very first episode of TNG. It's like, come on, <laughs> you know, even, even even the whole thing about you know wanting to have a duel. I mean, he was just having a blast. And I think that uh, you're right, though. I think that Gary Mitchell could, if if Kirk could outfox him to a degree. Now I know his parents come and take him back and all that other stuff, but I do believe that um, Gary Mitchell would would find a way to kind of outwit. And um, and take advantage of of a young Trelane. Now you know if Trelane came back in a few years, just like Charlie X came back in a few years, it'd probably be more of a fair fight. But I'm going to say that they both have the same powers, probably from the same source. And uh, maturity and training out out outwit outlast outduel my buddy Trelane. But the one thing you're missing, Ken, is what if Trelane's parents get involved? Well, I'm not missing it. <laughs> <laughs> Because that's not how we set this up. But if you throw that in there, oh yeah, they win. Uh, the if if they are Q or whatever that 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 race was before Q existed, then uh, Gary's toast. Hmm. Yeah. Well, you know that's the phone and friend thing's not really an option in the last God standing here, and you got to fight your own battles. You that's know, can't right. Have, can't have your parents fight them for you. So that's right. So so no, no. Trelane loses. Gary wins. So sorry, Trelane. <laughs> Bye, Trelane. Mitchell lives to fight another day, and who is he fighting next skin but the Metrons, or the Metrons, uh, according to Captain Kirk's pronunciation. Uh, <laughs> they are, you know... Don't, don't make fun of Canadians. <laughs> well, the thing about the Metrons is uh, we don't really know a lot about them, you know, their, their skill set. They seem to be... Um, I mean, uh, based off their physical appearance, like they're like this Greek kind of statue brought to life, you know, <laughs> um, they could freeze spaceships, they could transport people across the stars, they could do a lot of things, but I, I, I don't know, I mean, what, what are your, what's your take on what they could do and, and how they would match up against Gary Mitchell? It's, it's too, I think it's too ill-defined. We just, we just don't know what their capabilities are beyond the fact they could stop ships, they could blow up another ship, and they could move people back and forth. They're... Their scope and power is limited, it seems, to to that area of space. I don't know if, you know, they never really returned there. So I think in this case, it's kind of, um, we don't have enough information. And by default, Gary just keeps going. They are a race of beings. That would be the only thing. But, I mean, if you're going to, you got to send your best warrior. You know, like back in the old, on the Greek days, right? They would send, who's your best warrior? And I'm going to send my best warrior. And whoever wins wins the battle. So that's what we got to do here. We can't have a whole like fleet of Metrons <laughs> fighting Gary Mitchell. He's in the best Metron, the Metron. Send him out there. He fights Gary Mitchell. Gary Mitchell would probably win. So I mean, yeah, I think so. So, <laughs> so you're wiping the floor right I, now, Gary Mitchell. <laughs> oh yeah. I can't believe this, but 
because you don't know obviously this is as we go and it's um you know i just want everybody to know out there too this is not subjective this is this is fact so you know i'm just kidding so (laughs) with with the with the metrons in particular though metrons yeah (laughs) metrons yes sorry i'm south of the border here um the, the the one we, we like I was saying before we, we really don't have a, a ton of information to go on, but I think one of the things that that tips it towards Gary Mitchell a little bit more is you if the Metrons Metrons whatever you want to say wanted to expand their power authority and grasp of of the galaxy or even a few more solar systems they could do it at will and they don't whereas I find Mitchell. You know, it seems to me as his power grows, he he gets more hungry. He wants more. I could just see, you know, two two opposites here: a very powerful force that maybe the the Metrons could not uh, could not stop if if Mitchell was involved, just because of that eagerness to to expand that 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 power base. My thoughts. There you have it, Gary Mitchell, wiping the floor, <laughs> wiping the floor with these other gods. God's little G, by the way. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. The next one we would have on our list would be the Organians from Aaron of Mercy. Um, the Organians, they don't even seem to exist on a physical plane. This is something me and Justin Oser talked about in depth in 179. I had your sash just a couple episodes back. And that's something I couldn't really wrap my head around. Like, what are these Organians all about? Do they do they live in this simple life on a regular basis? Do they, do they only take these avatars for our own you know, mortal understanding, you know, it's it, it's very vague what they could do, uh, but they, they were powerful enough to stop all hostilities between the Klingons and the Federation. Uh, ships, uh, person-to-person combat, I mean, that is a very powerful act of power. <laughs> powerful <laughs> To be repetitive, yes, I like that, quotable yes. right there. So mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that is wide-spanning. So, I mean, that, but just because your power reaches a long way doesn't mean it's necessarily, you know, if it, again, one-on-one combat here, that's not going to help you because I mean the guy the guy you're fighting is right in front of you so the range of your of your attacks doesn't really matter if you're you know in the same in the same arena so to speak so you know that and they turn into like balls of energy at the end and then that we'd never really we never hear from them themselves again chronologically in Star Trek of course there's an Enterprise episode about them but we didn't really learn much more about what they are on, on a regular basis outside of these observers and then that if they of course you know become you know pure energy as Spock says so i'm i'm not sure i mean if they are pure energy that's something hard to hard to fight as far as gary mitchell goes so if if, if they're fighting gary mitchell what what, what are your thoughts on uh, on how he stacks up against the organians i think the organians are a lot like the metrons uh, they're 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 evolved right and that's that's kind of as we we get we know from the metrons that they have evolved over time and the organians you know i mean although they they think the empire and the federation won't be friends for five thousand years or something (laughs) some crazy number um that they were once human and, and they evolved too, and they evolved to pure energy right and that's that's where it gets tricky and it would i think for the the conversation we're having it would be tougher to take on a race like Organians where you can't have a one-on-one uh, and, and say, okay, would the Organians beat Mitchell? Okay, would their best warrior? Well, they're, they're peace-loving people, and that might be their downfall. And um, kind of like the Metrons. I, I, it, it's, it's really hard because they, they seem very, you know, um, apathetic 
to all things until <laughs> you know they, they look at things and they go oh, well you know we, we don't want you to fight anymore so we'll just we'll just heat up your your starship so you can't touch it and even though um, the Klingons supposedly you know slaughtered dozens of them they're like no one died <laughs> you know? so I don't know they they seem to exist on a different plane so I don't I don't even know if they could quote unquote fight in this dimension it's 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 just a little tricky for me to get my arms around and uh although i'm tired of gary winning all the time i don't know if we kept bringing this forward how how would we take on the organians to anyone else because it's a whole race of people kind of like mm-hmm. the metrons so yeah i'm gonna say gary mitchell being a conniving um you know somehow or another turns their balls of energy into ice or something and does terrible things to them with a spoon that's my thought <laughs> that's an interesting visual image uh but moving on to uh the mourns for <laughs> Adonais, Adonis, Adonai, I've heard it pronounced many ways. Now like, we got a battle. Much now like Metrons and Metrones, I've heard that pronounced many ways. But yes, Ken, we do have a true battle here. I think, I we think, have a battle. I think we have a good matchup here because Apollo has been doing this for, for millennia. Now, he is super powerful of his own right, but he does use his temple, much like Trelane uses his machine, to augment his powers. I don't know how much of that augmentation he really needs. I mean, he's he's seems to be quite capable of of you know doing godly things without it just say just say the the machine gets destroyed yes apollo leaves at the end he fades away but that's because he's like ah well i guess humans don't want me after all it's not so much that like he was you know truly defeated i mean he could have gone on if he wanted to but he kind of lost the will to keep on going after he saw his last chance for humanity to worship him had you know they had scorned him so that's why he left so I don't know. This this is a good one. They got so they got the lightning bolts working there. You know, I mean, uh, Apollo can can get much bigger. He can increase his size, so he could you know step on Gary Mitchell, <laughs> maybe. You know, so I, I think this is a really good fight. I think Apollo would win this battle, and the reason I think is for the reason that Gary's been winning all along. Apollo has been at this for thousands and thousands of years. Uh, he knows the human mind, knows the human heart. Uh, I think that he would use his experience uh, to to undermine. I think Gary seems to have a few more powers. That's that's where it gets a little scary, and we don't really know what Gary's source is. You know, we, we don't know if he gets pulled further and further away from the um, the the border of the galaxy, um, if 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 that would impact him or not. But I think in this case, um, I'll take. You know that that old. There's an old expression, right? That um, old age and treachery beats youth and inexperience six days a week and twice on Sunday. I'm going to take the old age of Apollo in this and find a way to to outwit Gary Mitchell and put Apollo on top. That's my that's my. So you think down. you think that Gary Mitchell would lose his strength if he moved further away from the edge of the galaxy? I don't know, but we, I, 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 because we don't know the source of it. We just know that uh, it was it was in Delta Vega, right? Mm-hmm. And it was on impulse power so it wasn't it wasn't far far away well delta vega like, is a moon of vulcan can we all know that we do know that yeah i don't know <laughs> it, it, yeah that is the largest orbit of any moon in the galaxy by the yeah. way Interesting. But I, 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 never, I, I thought it was all internal but you're right you never do know so you, you never do know variable. and because the enterprise doesn't warp away it it limps to delta vega that means it's still very close to that that area and whatever it is that has given him this 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 power or this power source, um, maybe it, maybe it fades with distance. We don't know, and if obviously the um, the crew of the Enterprise were not going to take that risk, and, and that's why he was he was killed where he was. But that's that's why I think that Apollo, though, would 
it has nothing to do with it. We'll, we'll say for for argument's sake of argument that Gary Mitchell's powers do not decline with with any distance. That um, that that Apollo would use his his history. I mean, he's he's a he's he's a demigod. No, he's a god, and he's you know he's been in in many wars and battles and so forth. And I would think that uh, he would be he would be able to to take on Gary Mitchell. Yeah, Clash of the Titans, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, quite literally. So I do, Gary. Uh, you, you got through all of these season one gods. <laughs> As we get to season two, Apollo is our new champion. So yeah, this is this is interesting here because I mean, there's a couple of beings that you could maybe consider godlike beings. Like there's Vol, but he's just a machine on a planet, so we pass him up. You know, by Vol and David Soul. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sixties Owen Wilson, yes. Uh, there, there is the companion from Metamorphosis. I mean, uh, but just more, more of, of a, a being, not more a like, god. More, uh, more like Casper the Friendly Ghost, the uh, companion, the friendly godlike being. Yeah, yeah. You know, as much of a trope as it was in season one, there's really, you know, looking at it, Kenny. You tell me, man. I, I don't think there's any more of these guys in season two other than apollo but you tell me no i I think you're right i was looking you know wolf in the fold which is kind of a spirit and it it it, it, it's not a god it's it's again it's a presence it's a it's almost like you know like a parasite type of thing uh moves from place to place so as i as i look through the uh episodes no there, there really isn't anyone else or any other god that we encounter that would be much of a um a competition for old Apollo there. Yep, I agree. So the next one would be in uh, season three. Here's a good one: the Gorgon from *And the Children Shall Eat*. Uh, the friendly angel. He uh, he has the power to uh, bring out your greatest fear and paralyze you, and then cause madness and hysteria. So that that's a pretty powerful power, I would say. Uh, but d- does he need children to recite a nursery rhyme for him to get it done? That's the real question. Yeah, he's kind of Apollo-like, where he needs the. Um... I don't know if it's the worship is the right word, but that's 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 what pulls him in, and then he convinces the childrens to use the power that he gave them, right? Essentially, uh, to um, to control and 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 make the crew do things, or you know, turn the ship around and all that other stuff, and you know, can can actually convince the crew that they're saying one thing and another. So it's 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 different. It's almost like a a bag of tricks, so to speak. Um, I don't know if there's a lot of, of energy and power in that, but that is a very powerful weapon. If you can control someone's mind, uh, it, it, um, it's pretty debilitating, you know? Would that ability affect Apollo, right? I mean, because if you can, if the Gorgon could turn that on Apollo and, and make him see his greatest fear, what, what chance would he have? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm hesitant to, <laughs> to say this guy can beat Apollo but uh you know you play these mental battles that's that's a pretty a powerful battlefield right there the mind so well yeah you don't know what you're fighting you don't even know what your enemy is right and um so it's it's it's, it's like I said it's there probably isn't a more powerful weapon than the than the ability to manipulate someone's head and to get them to move into a direction they do not see and you know it's kind of uh you know like Jedi mind tricks right you could you could just keep screwing with the guy until he just goes nuts now, would he have that authority or ability over Apollo? I guess that's really the trick. Not being the greatest, um, I guess, uh, person with a, with a ton of knowledge on Greek mythology and what Apollo was capable of. I, you know, it's it's a tough one. I would I would have to believe that Apollo would be able to 
to thwart it, but I don't know. Don't know. Yeah, I mean, I wonder. I don't know the the skill set, the power set of all the the Greek gods. I mean, I'm, I'm sure he's dealt with some tricksters in his time. So mm-hmm. I, I'm gonna give Apollo you know, the benefit of the doubt there because I just I just like him better than the Gorgon, right? <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. Why not? Yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean, he's better dressed than the Gorgon. Well, the toga, the toga, or the or the or the shower curtain, right? I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah well, uh, Apollo definitely pulls it off better than the Gorgon did, right? He, he certainly did. He he didn't pull it off at all in Star Trek Continues, but he pulled it off very well. <laughs> I think he was in the the Pilgrim or something like that. I don't know. Pilgrim of Eternity, yes, excellent uh, episode premiere episode of Star Trek Continues. So um, Apollo moves on past the Gorgon, the friendly angel. No no uh, no need for nursery rhymes moving forward. So that that's a relief. Yeah yeah, I would, I, you know I would love to hear you kind of sing it through. But anyway, we'll, so, we'll, 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 we move on. We move on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so we have uh, the Mokotians from Spectre of the Gun. Again, uh, th- these guys uh, they are a race of beings, uh, much like you know we're talking the Organians, we're talking about the uh, the Metrons, the Metrons. So uh, very xenophobic as well, much like the Metrons. They don't want people messing around in their space. So the Enterprise continues. They, they press forward in their territory, and they have uh, – they encounter – well, they, they get uh, – here's the deal. Did the events of Spectre of the Gun happen or not, right? Was that all in their heads, or did they actually go somewhere and all that stuff happened to them, <laughs> and then they were transported back? Because the episode is kind of vague about that, so I think that would impact, like it's, – it's another, like, mental battle, right? It's all, like, did nothing real of that – happened at all so again they have they're similar to the gorgon in the fact that it's all it's all mental stuff you know they're not actually they're not shooting lightning bolts at you they're not making things appear out of nowhere but that's where we got so i don't know i'm matching up against apollo what are your thoughts ken apollo wins i think malkotians just use illusions uh which is a great weapon in of itself but it's it's not a real great strength and the uh the crew is able to to figure it out you know, they, they, they turn their mindset differently or have Spock, um, you know, tell the crew what, what is real, what is not real. And, you know, they, if they don't believe they're dying, they don't die. So the, it, it didn't seem like it was that. I, I thought it was very clever, by the way. I thought the plot in this was very good. I liked this episode very much. And I thought it was very, very unique. But they are able to, um, they are able to thwart the, the Malkotians, you know, uh, desires here anyway. I mean, Noah's kind of a good versus evil type thing, but as soon as um, as soon as they get through that, um, it's over. You know, there was there was nothing else. They just, they say, okay, you, you figured us out. Now, now we can be friends. Mm-hmm. Eh, I don't know. I think Apollo would kick their butts. All right. Well, there it is. So let it be written. <laughs> so let it be said. Sorry, Malkotians. Apollo moves on. So the next one, again, we could talk about this one. We could not. There's Day of the Dove, you know, the little pinwheel that flies around. He's kind of like the companion, you know. But 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 his power was making people fight each other, really? And the, if it's just Paul, he he's not going yeah. to fight himself, right? So... Yeah, and he just he just flies off, right? I mean, if Apollo punched it, it would just be punching through air, right? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. So then we move on to Plato's Stilp Children. Now, these are oh, some boy. corporeal guys, right? Some human beings with some powers. What are your thoughts on these guys, Ken? Oh, <laughs> I don't like to think about this one at all, to be honest with you. But um, I, I, I don't know. I, I think that this is again. It's 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 mostly mind control. Could they could they get in the head of head of Apollo and make him do things against his will? That that's that's really the challenge. I think 
And this is where it gets a little tricky because we are dealing with a God again. And that's, that's all it is. It's, um, it's the ability to manipulate. They don't, you know, they, they don't make things appear, disappear. They don't, uh, they don't have, you know, like Apollo got bigger and stronger and more powerful. These guys are just manipulative. So I guess the question is, is could they get into Apollo's head and destroy him internally? Because that would be the only way they could win. Again, I come back to the fact that they're corporeal. They're uh, they are corporeal. They're 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 just they're just beings that that learned you know to use their powers based off you know the the, uh, the atmosphere of the planet and the, the the plants or whatever it was right. Uh, they gave them the power specifically that planet. So uh, I don't know. They they have a, a unique uh, weakness in that fact that that would those powers not wear off right? Because Kirk and them all got the powers in the episode, so it would wear off. So if you know Apollo just outlasted them, I don't know how long that would be right. But he could outlast them because he's a god. He's immortal, right? Uh, so that would wear off, and then you know he would easily defeat them. Okay, I'm with you. So Apollo moves on, which brings us really to best I can tell, the Savage Curtain, the Excalbians, Ken Yarnak, and all those guys down there. They want to know the difference between good and evil. Uh, rock creature, pretty cool design, but one of the coolest of all these of all these guys. He's the coolest looking uh, wannabe god, and they don't they don't pretend to be gods or anything like that. Uh, cool creature. Uh, again, it's about illusion that can resurrect dead characters, dead figures of history, stuff like that. Could they theoretically create a whole army to fight Apollo, right? Yeah, yeah. And in, in going into Apollo's head, they could pull out Apollo's enemies, right? The most powerful, the whoever he fears, and, uh, and, and beat him that way. And we do, know, well, because none of the actual living participants in this die, right? It's the people that they, they think about that are brought to life, Sarek and others, that they get killed, or he's probably the only one that gets killed now that I think about it. Um, it's it's a tough one. But I uh, I really like uh, the Excalvians. I do. I think they are um, they're a neat race. And, you know, they, they kind of go from, I guess, from a, 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 what is it, a, a subtle rock to a living rock? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's kind of it's cool. It's everything that Star Trek V was missing. They definitely have um, uh, the the ability to do some some pretty cool things, and and I would imagine that they have more powers than we're aware of, just because they can do that, right? And they allow they allow them to beam up, they allow them to do all kinds of things. Um, it's just hard to say. Do they have the uh, the strength and the power of an Apollo? It's not really demonstrated. They can create, but can they can they fight? You know, if you were just to fight one of them, would that be um, would that be the way to look at it? I mean, they're exceedingly hot. <laughs> so Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, well, it's it's tough because Gary Mitchell swept through so many and now and now the Apollo swept through so many. I feel like I don't want to de- default to those guys, but you know, they are probably the most powerful too of all these guys, Ken. I think so. I think so. I, I just don't yeah, I, I agree. The um you know, it, it all depends, I guess, on, on their ability to get into the heads of, of either Mitchell or, or Apollo, and that would be the way to defeat them. But as far as, you know, powers and strength and, you know, lightning bolts or big green hands that can crush starships, uh, it's it's really hard to beat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, I mean, we didn't even talk about that ability, you know. I mean, with Apollo having, you know, uh, crushing starships, it, regardless of any of these other... Uh, beings, you know, we talked about people with other ships and other races like the Mokotians, right? If they came around their ship, he would just reach up and crush that probe or anything like that. So he has he has some serious um, 
uh, astral projection telekinesis power there going on there. So oh, he does, yeah. That's and, and you know he was he was he was holding the Enterprise at bay while doing a lot of tricks on the surface too, and growing to big heights and creating storms. Uh, he's a pretty powerful guy, right? I'm God. Sorry. <laughs> well, there's Small one last chick. God to talk about. Want to be God? Truly presented himself as God. Uh, and that is the god being from Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. Now, if this guy can get taken out with a photon torpedo, uh, I'm going to say Apollo will wipe the floor with him, Ken. Absolutely. But I hope he does. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I agree. I think that, uh, that that God was not as powerful as we thought, even when his uh, lightning bolt eyes or whatever. I mean, he, he didn't kill Spock and McCoy. Uh, I suppose he could have. But he didn't, and even when he shoots at the rock, very little damage is done. That's for probably budgetary purposes. And uh, he can't shoot well at all. He shoots like a stormtrooper because he had uh, he had Kirk dead to rights in the shuttle. So I would just say from a warrior point of view, yeah, uh, Apollo would win. Uh, well, there we have it. You know, there's really no other godlike beings, and no Kelvin timeline godlike beings. And I'm, I'm maybe, you know, if, if we get some more Kelvin timeline movies, maybe they will encounter a of being like a Trelane or a Charlie X or something like that along the way. I think that would be interesting. I know a lot of people were thinking about maybe uh, that, uh, you know, when John Harrison or Benedict Cumberbatch's character, Benedict Cumberbatch's character could have been, you know, a Gary Mitchell back, you know, because he's wearing a Star Trek uniform, Star Trek uniform. He's wearing a Starfleet uniform. He's in the brig there. Look very similar to where No Man Has Gone Before. I know there was a lot of speculation about that. Uh, that would be cool. It would be a different kind of uh, challenge for the crew of the Enterprise instead of just another you know, alien guy with a spaceship or a fleet or a big powerful ship or something like that, uh, having, having to outwit them, you know, I mean, that, that's what, that's where how Kirk and the Enterprise crew were able to defeat all these gods or, or wannabe gods, if you will, you know, outsmarting them, uh, giving them the, uh, uh, the, the test of divinity and then failing every single time <laughs> and then being able to defeat them. So I would like to see that uh, in one of the Star Trek movies, you know. Yeah, it would, it would be interesting. I, I, I think that, that that premise is, you know, as, as we talked about this episode, it, it seemed like a very common trope, and it wasn't. It, it was it was definitely in the original series to some degree, and in one movie, but it, it wasn't that common. But let's let's do something really sneaky, Zach. Let's let's go over here, peek over this wall here, and that guy over there, Q. Think Apollo could take him out? I don't know, man. You got to kind of give it to Q, don't you? <laughs> I think you have to give it to Q. I think that uh, a a mature Trelane probably would have had a good chance against Apollo and mm-hmm. a good chance against Gary Mitchell. But Q, yeah. He, Q, Q is trailing without the training wheels. He doesn't have he the, seems the machine to be the, helping him out, you know? so Yeah, he seems to be the Superman of, of the gods. There just is no limit. You know, he's moving planets. He's sending starships all across the galaxy. He can show up in the... Delta Quadrant, uh, the, any quadrant. He's just He's just all over the place, so... Yeah, I just I just thought it would be fun to, to peek over here since, you know, it doesn't look like any of the three of the guys from Earl Grey are around. I just figured <laughs> I'd ask the question. But you got to keep it down because if they hear us, they'll get mad. Well, I'm happy to say that Apollo is the winner here. If one of these guys are going to be the champion, you know, I think he looks the part, definitely. Uh, you know, he's, um, you know, I'm proud to say that he's he's the last god standing here, Ken. He is the last god standing and well-deserved and congratulations to Apollo. So, as it is said, let it be done. If you have any comments in the Babel Conference or you think we're wrong, you're wrong. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I like to have fun. No, I, I, you know, this is, this is a very interesting topic, and I'd, I'd be curious, too, what, what people feel about this. And 
I think it, it could be a fun conversation to have. You know what I mean? I, th- I think not only do I want to hear it in the Babel conference, I'd, I'd love to hear a, uh, a round table on, on this and, and just get some, get some feedback on it and, and see, you know, they're always looking for good topics for the round table. There's a good one. Who's the most powerful godlike being in all of Star Trek? Yeah, you know, if they had a, a true bracket system for that one, maybe you got your TOS bracket, your Next Generation bracket, your Deep Space Nine bracket, your Voyager bracket, you know, I think Enterprise. I don't know if Enterprise introduced any that weren't already in existence, you know, previously. Like, you know, there were Ganians were in there, but they were, you know, in the TOS bracket. So that might be an interesting way to do it. You know, get your Final Four <laughs> kind of situation going on there. Get your brackets handed out, guys. Uh, that that might be fun. But yeah, it's, it's been fun talking about the, the gods of Star Trek. Here on Standard Orbit this week, and that's not the only thing we've been talking about on Trek FM. Here's a quick look at what else you might have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.fm, the orb. It, it's kind of weird if you walk into Picard's ready room and, you know, a sad John Mayer song is playing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or if he was listening to Jewel. You know, that would be really, really unexpected. <laughs> Oh, man, that's bringing it back right there. I can totally see him listening to the Pieces album. To the journey! But imagine how much his big black eyes would have popped if he was wearing the blue face paint. That is true. <laughs> like a bullion. <laughs> I didn't realize the bullions were Scottish, but, you know. Bullions could be Scottish. Meta Trex. Trip is just absolutely fascinated with the pan-fried catfish that this replicator can make, and... Archer doesn't want anything to do with it. He's pushing back against it. He doesn't He doesn't trust. What is it, like a Trojan catfish or something? <laughs> the ready room. And that makes you wonder, what does the Federation do when a member world shifts in that way and starts to take on characteristics that go against the foundation of the Federation charter in the first place? Yeah, there's just some sort of process for like removing a world from the Federation. If they go too far from Federation norms and values and ideals, I think so. I think I think they hold a Fexit vote. So <laughs> they decide that they are going to leave the Federation. Yeah, this is Stratos though. It might be a Strexit vote. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows and find out what we're talking about in your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcast. If you're an Apple user, get the show on iTunes or the Apple Podcasts app. Be sure to hit the subscribe button. That helps us greatly and makes it easier for other listeners to find the show. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Stitcher, TuneIn, Speaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, and of course, you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website and grab the RSS link as well. If you'd like to get in touch with us here at Trek FM, you can always find us on trekfn slash contact and look in the sidebar on the show page, or you can go to speakpipe.com slash trekfm, and please leave us a voice message. You can also contact us through Twitter at trekfm, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash trekfm, and of course in the Babel Conference. Type Babel Conference, that's B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook, or go to our website at trekfm and click discussion on the menu bar. Another way you can help us keep all of our shows coming to you each week is to become a patron on the network on Patreon. If you visit Patreon slash TrekFM, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash TrekFM, you'll find the current goals and different milestone contributions along with all the great perks we have for you. 
These perks include early access to content, exclusive content, producer credits, seats on our content development team, and more. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find all the details on patreon.com slash trekfm. Speaking of Patreon, thank you as always to our great associate producers for Standard Orbit. We have Renee Roberts, Norman Lau, Aaron Harvey, Tim Robertson, Nick Anastasio, Richard Marquez, and Corey Elrod. Yes, thank you guys so much for your support for both Standard Orbit and Trek FM. Uh, so, Ken, if people want to find you out there on the internet, where can they find you? Hey, you can find me hanging around the Babel Conference and engaging people when I when I have the opportunity. You can also find me on Twitter. My uh, Twitter handle is at BostonSCPO, and we uh, we like to tweet out all our new episode information as soon as we get it, as well as well as our colleagues. So, look for me there. As for me, you can find me on Twitter at MoronZach. That's M O O R E O N Z A C H. And I'm also the host of my own podcast, Always Hold On to Smallville, where we talk about each and every episode of that young Superman series from the early 2000s. And you can find us on Twitter at AlwaysMallville with one S. So thanks everyone for listening, and join us again next time here on Trek FM for another episode of Standard Orbit.